and welcome to this edition of the Rooster Crows podcast. We're recording this one just as the Christmas season begins, and in churches, that means it's time for the Christmas pageant. All over the world, kids are rehearsing to retell the Christmas story, dressed in bathrobes and funny hats. Christmas pageants have been the same for a very long time, but when the pandemic hit, suddenly they had to change. Many churches, like ours, found ways to do them online. So today our episode is about why do we keep doing Christmas pageants. Reverend Stephen Milton talks with Paul Constable, an actor who is also the director and writer of our Christmas pageant. They explore why people love pageants so much, and even how they first appeared back in the Middle Ages, and how they have changed again in this pandemic. So grab a glass of eggnog and sit back as we try to answer the question, why do people love Christmas pageants so much? So I am here with Paul Constable, who is an actor, real estate agent, comedian and funny guy. And Paul, how else would you describe yourself? Uh, father, father of a nine-year-old son. And the reason I'm talking to Paul today is because he's been the writer and director of the last few years of Christmas pageants at our church. And I just wanted to sort of talk about, you know, what, why do churches keep doing Christmas pageants? Like we do it every year and, you know, let's face it, the production value is not always really high, but we keep doing them and we haven't sort of said, no, that was kind of naff, let's stop. So I don't know, Paul, why, why do you like Christmas pageants? Well, I like Christmas just because it's, uh, I didn't realize this until I came back into the church and heard all the Christmas songs. I just really like the the songs of Christmas, uh, the sound of the organ. It brings me back to childhood. It, it ha- brings back memories of my own Christmases in the past. It also brings back memories of when I, my, my belief in, you know, the image of Jesus and God and all that stuff was just so strong and I would sit in church and you know visualize what it meant to me um, now it's just more <laughs> historically interesting that but we don't have to get into the theology of all of that but it, it just it does make me feel cool when I'm when I'm uh, involved right and I mean you've uh, you grew up in the church it sounds like so were you like once you know Joseph dressed up in a bathrobe with you know a stick for a crook um, I went to the United Church. It was I think it was called Port Nelson in in Burlington, and I th- I have memories of playing the Pharaoh in <laughs> Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat with a with a tin foil hat. And all I all I really remember is I just mostly sat on a chair and pretended to sleep while all the girls in the in the church. I was probably about thirteen. They danced and did all the stuff, and I I was just there. I, I was. From what I remember, I was a prop with maybe two lines, because I one time I was I was on my bike and I was gonna get to the church and I was tired and I came home and I remember saying to my mom I can't do it and she's like well let's just go and in the end it turned out I didn't really have to do much of anything and they were just happy that I was there story I think that's the story of my life I try and find <laughs> the the path of least resistance and they're still happy when I show up so it's not so bad and it obviously didn't ruin your career I mean you've had lots of gigs on and television commercials and stuff since then yeah. Yeah, I think it was, uh, you know, the commercials are only 30 seconds long. Let's just do something short, you know? And you get to keep your eyes open in commercials, right? 
It's most of the time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, the thing I find funny about Christmas pageants is that, you know, I, I've been involved in lots of them on the sort of production side. And, like, the one thing you can guarantee about a Christmas pageant is that something will go wrong, right? Like, something seems to always go wrong, certainly in rehearsals and usually live. For sure. Well, I mean, even just in my brief experience doing this, it's uh, you're you're dealing with with, for lack of a better term, regular people like, you know, when they put those car commercials on and they're like, these are real people, not actors. So (laughs) that's what we're dealing with. Um, And um, you tend to rehearse for maybe if you're lucky, 30 minutes, the four or five Sundays before the pageant. Not everyone can show up every weekend. Um, they're kids, so they're, they get distracted super easily. So you, you just kind of, you know that it's going to be a bit of a disaster, but the audiences are very forgiving. And that's the interesting thing, I think, that, you know, if, if the same degree of mistakes and shoddiness in sort of costumes and set design were present in like a Broadway show, people would be up in arms and demanding their money back, right? But there's yeah. some, you know, but there's something about a Christmas pageant where, you know, a kid freezing and not remembering their lines or, you know, the, the camel deciding to go sit down beside Mary just because they're tired is funny and charming. And for sure. I mean, even when you see in like uh, plays or movies, TV shows where they try and recreate bad theater, you know, for, or, or let's say, you know, amateur theater, it's still too polished, you know, like it, it it's because the mistakes are planned because someone wrote a mistake into a script where the mistakes in a in an amateur you know Christmas pageant are just beautiful because they just happen and everyone's on board everyone's like okay we know this can happen but at Broadway you've you've plunked your big bucks down and you're expecting to be entertained yeah I think there's something uh, you know theologically speaking kind of incarnational about a Christmas pageant because it's something which is taking place right before your eyes and it's precisely because the kids don't necessarily know the story that well. They certainly haven't lived it in the same way that grown-ups have. They they can't help but do it in a tentative way, right? But it's I think it's precisely that tentative, mistake-prone nature of their performance which shows that they're actually learning something, you know. <laughs> well, and the part that's kind of interesting is that you're talking about really heady things like the birth of of Jesus, you know, the son of God who comes to be our savior. And you, sometimes these words are coming out of, you know, a seven-year-old's mouth. Uh, and so there's something very strange about it, but also very innocent. And, and because there is that innocence behind it, I think it, it kind of heightens your faith a little in the story. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, and we're charmed to see that story being reborn as it were right in a new generation every single christmas because for sure you know as we know uh, for a lot of people it'll be what they did in the christmas pageant that will stick with them the longest in terms of their sort of you know sunday school understanding of what the christmas story is because you know once you get into the new world uh, into not the new world but the adult world you know it's like it doesn't come up a whole lot during your work life um so, yeah. a, you know, there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of reinforcement happening all the time. But this, you know, there's nothing like having a hundred adults staring at you as you're trying to remember your lines to make you remember an experience. 
Yeah, for sure. And the, the one thing, like my family, you know, me being an actor, uh, it, it wasn't really in the the my ancestry. And by that, I mean, you know, my mom and dad. But my dad talked about sometimes he would sing at the church or he would be in a show at the church. And that was basically the end of the discussion. But for some people, they're only performance experience might just be the Christmas pageant or something like that at church. Yeah. And it seems to me uh, tons and tons of um, famous singers started off in uh, Sunday school choirs and then church choirs, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where else can you sing every week? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we wouldn't have Aretha Franklin had it not been for the fact that her dad was a minister and she was singing in that in that choir, right? Like lots yeah. of people cut their cut their teeth on singing, certainly. And I think the same thing is true for acting, too. I, I, I certainly know lots of people who, you know, were uh, as adults started speaking more in church, whether it was reading scripture or making announcements for their committee and stuff. And that was their introduction to public speaking. And I think that sorry. Yeah. You know, but I was going to say the part that also is is because it is a community and everyone sort of knows each other. So it's it's almost like you know, if an office puts on a a, a silly show or something like that, it's it's funnier because we know the people. And so if we see the same kids year after year, you see them get older. The community is like, oh, there's little Bobby or there's little Susan, and now they're bigger and wow, they're doing a great job as whatever part they're playing. So there, there's still a connection to it versus just seeing a bunch of strangers put on a show. And then the truth of it is, I think if you, even if you came into the church and you didn't know what was going on, you would still be forgiving to the Christmas pageant, but you might also be a little less forgiving. You might just be like, ah, well, I guess they have to do this, you know, but it's, it's not that great. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's funny. I, uh, there's another church that I've, uh, I did my internship at a church called Kingsway Lambton and they've been doing the same Christmas pageant for, I think it's 82 years now. Um, wow. Yeah, it's like the same plot. They've had the same stage. Uh, well, actually, the stage recently got replaced. But, you know, some of the costumes go way, way back. And the the script is basically the same as it was like 82 years ago. And they've modernized it and made it a little less sexist, I think. Um, <laughs> Probably good. Yeah. But, but what was interesting this year, because they had to do the... They couldn't do the pageant live in front of an audience, obviously, and there was no way. They, they have like 100 kids in this thing. It's just huge. And wow. they, they couldn't do in-person rehearsals. So they did a virtual version of it. And mm -hmm. to make it work, what they did was they asked former cast members who are now adults to play parts in it. And they did it all, th all over Zoom. And they had people who played Mary 60 years ago in, in the virtual version. You know, that's pretty and, crazy. Yeah. And, when, and within this community, people say, oh, yeah, I was Joseph and I was Mary and I was one of the shepherds and I was, you know, like, you know, Roman henchman number three or whatever. Um, and people just sort of remember that uh, over the years. And they would actually compare notes like, oh, who are you in the play? You know, it, it's just amazing. This sort of identity that comes out of being part of this one production that's been going on for such a long time. Well, I think it goes back to, you know, what I was saying before about it being a tradition, and it is a tradition mixed with religion, but not all <laughs> tradition with religion can be necessarily fun. Or you charming, know, like this, yeah. Or charming, yeah. Like, this is, this is you know, we don't want to get, we don't want to knock religion or whatever, but sometimes you're like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. But with a church, you know, pageant, it's, 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 it is something you can look forward to, and especially with that group that goes back 82 years that is a super strong tradition where that tradition in itself maybe outweighs 
uh, the religious tradition, like it, it would be sacrilege to stop doing it, you know? Yeah, and I think that when they uh, bumped into this COVID year, they said, well, we can't not do it. So right. the question was how to do it, right? Well, you and I, you know, on our, I think it was a Zoom, it was a Zoom meeting, funny, yeah. funnily enough, <laughs> um, just kind of talked about that. And uh, we just banged out the idea of even doing it via Zoom. You know, maybe we do the, the Zoom version of Christmas. The kids seem to slip right into the idea that this is a bit of a satire and a spoof, not of the Christmas story, but just of the genres that you were in, you were using, like having three of the girls sort of be Charlie's angels talking about how they brought the message to the shepherds was really funny. Um, yeah, that was, uh, and especially your way of making them appear. It's funny because you write it in the script like, uh, the Charlie's angels appear, we hear the theme music, and then I'm like, I think Stephen can do this. <laughs> and, if, and if not, it doesn't really matter. We know they're Charlie's angels. But when they, the first time I saw that, I was like, oh, this is okay, this is good. That for me raised the bar from just being... Uh, you know, an amateurish type production to no, this this is this is jumping higher. You know, this is at the top end of amateur. This is this is fun and it's slick. You know, so that was great. Yeah, no, it was, it was fun to put together. Uh, just seeing the the enthusiasm of the kids made it easy to put it together. And it it was interesting because you know we we had to do it outside of the church this time because we had no choice given lockdown. We couldn't have anybody at the church, and. I was looking into the history of Christmas pageants, and it turns out that actually there's a really long tradition of doing them outside of the church building, like for centuries right. and centuries that it was done that way. Because the way it started out was, um, as you can imagine, in, in the Middle Ages, uh, like around the year 1000 or so, they would, you know, tell the Christmas stories in Latin with monks singing uh, at Christmas time, and it occurred to someone, well, hey, instead of everybody just standing around, why don't we have a couple of people playing shepherds, singing about being shepherds, walk up to the altar. And then they did the same thing with the Magi. And back then, like starting from like the second century, there was this tradition that when the shepherds and the Magi arrived at the stable where Jesus was born, they were met by midwives. Okay. Yeah. Like, you know, someone had thought this through, you know, Joseph, yeah. a proper Jewish man, probably wasn't catching the baby. You know, like he probably right. ran into the street and said, for goodness sakes, I need some help here. And some midwives arrived. So there would be like this curtain in front of the altar and midwives, I think, played by men back then originally, <laughs> um, would would in song address the shepherds and saying, who are you seeking? And they were saying, well, we are seeking the Messiah because the angels told us to come. And then... After a few years, they moved the whole thing outside and uh, they would put individual scenes onto carts that would be pulled by horses, sort of like as in, you know, parade floats, like in the Macy's Parade and stuff. And they would go by the crowds on the on the road. And so there'd be like a scene of Gabriel coming to see Mary and telling her she was going to be pregnant. And then there'd be another and that would be done by like some of the farmers. So there'd be all sorts of nice plants and stuff. And then there'd be another scene on a different cart of um you know, the shepherds showing up and that would be done maybe, I assume by shepherds, I don't know, but they, they did these pageant things on carts. So it was very, very much outside, but as what usually happens, right, things get a little out of control. So these things expanded from being Christmas pageants to, you know, general Bible story pageants and like the Noah's Ark one, uh, the scenes from that would be done by basically the the equivalent of the plumbers union. So they because they could do all the water special effects, right? Right. <laughs> so I, lo- I, I all of this is fascinating because 
the thoughts I have is at first there's some, there would still be people resistant to change who like, even when those first like wise men or whatever, or shepherds broke from the group, they'd go, this isn't like the original Latin. You can't do this. <laughs> and then when it, and then there's someone seeing the carts going, you know, Christmas has just gotten out of control. This is not right. And then you have the thought of a plumber, you know, saying, I better be in that Noah's Ark show. Because you better not be hiring, you know, Hank, who I know is just a carpenter, but he doesn't have his plumbing license, you know, whatever. There's just so much. To me, that would be fascinating. But what I'm always fascinated is the behind the scenes, because we always just seem to think back in the old days, they must have just said, okay. And there would be no like levels to it. But you know, there had to be levels of of thoughts and, and people for it, people against it, people saying what's right, what's wrong, especially just can you imagine now if we tried to recreate that with all men, you know, and, just, <laughs> and, and midwives, they'd just be there'd be riots saying, we don't really appreciate this version of the story, which makes it sort of tempting to try, but I don't think we should. Well, but I mean, even in the, the pageant versions that you've done for us, you've chosen to do spoofs, right? You did a spoof mm-hmm. of Back of the Future and a 60-minute spoof. What's the attraction right. of, you know, instead of doing it straight up, why, do, why have you chosen spoofs as the as a sort of uh, container for this? Well, I think to the, you know, the, the first thoughts we had about it, uh, the audiences will be forgiving. But um, so you could just do a classic Christmas tale. And you could have, you know, the story of Mary and Joseph arriving at the inn and and all that stuff and just do it in a classic way. And I think people would like it. But this way we got to surprise them a little bit, have a bit of fun, especially when I sang The Power of Love at the end of the Christmas pageant (laughs) last year. And even saying that out loud, I'm like, wait, were we supposed to do that? Um, But it... It just was fun and it got people up on their feet and they were like moving. And uh, and the, the thing though is the story is still told. Like the story doesn't change. And that's what when I, you and I have our meetings, I try and reiterate with you, what are the, what are the key plot points of this story that, that we need to tell? And if we do it in a fun way, because people know it, you know, people know, they know the story. But uh, so the jokes work because they're surprised within the knowledge of it. Yeah, and I think that uh, one of the things that you're doing when you do the spoofs and what they were doing back like in the Middle Ages was that by uh, taking it out of the church and uh, spinning it a bit, it gives you an opportunity to put this into terms which real people can understand, right? By putting them into the story. Like the way it evolved in the Middle Ages was, you know, uh, once it's out of the church, of course, it's not under the thumb of the priests anymore. So it evolved and like the Noah's Ark story uh, ended up having Noah's wife be uh, someone who liked to hang out at taverns. And it becomes this broad comedy where Noah keeps running into the tavern saying, no, really, we have to go. And she's right. saying, what are you talking about? I'm here having fun with my friends. Go away. There's no yeah. way it's going to flood the world. Right. Um, yeah. And, and I think your spoofs allow asides. Right. Uh, yeah. People to be able to make editorial comments and go, hey, that's kind of weird. How could that possibly be true? Yeah, well, I, I one of my lines that I liked, and it was delivered by my son last year, and uh, 
uh, way in a manger was when Mary said, what about my husband, Joseph? And, and my son, Pearson, just yelled, it turns out he's okay with it, you know, because I always think <laughs> I always think of Joseph as just like, talk about, uh, yes, Mary's in ext- extreme pressure. You're about to be the mother of God, but he's the he's the stepfather of the son of God. who's <laughs> He doesn't really have much say. He's like, all right, OK, let's just do this, I guess, you know, and then he kind of disappears. He's just kind of there. And then I mean, I'm sure you're going to focus on Jesus, but there's got to be a Joseph side story that we don't know about. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, when you do a satire or a spoof, you, you make the opportunity for people to be able to talk about that stuff, which, you know, just demands some kind of unpacking, right? And I think what's nice about at least, you know, the churches that I grew up in, in your, the community church um, that you're a part of, is that there is that people are willing to to see this and not be offended because I can still think of people in modern times that would just say you cannot touch this stuff it's it's the you know the I think even the south of the border here uh there might be people that would be up in arms saying you you just can't mess with this but I'm glad that people have a sense of humor and no we're not mocking the story we're we are actually celebrating the story um it is a celebration that's why even when Last year, you know, I wanted the choir involved because I want to hear those church songs that that bring you bring you back to being a kid and 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 sitting with your parents and hearing that same song, you know, forty years ago. That doesn't change. So, yeah, and I think also just us moderns have a problem, right? We can't just sort of watch the Christmas story and go, "Yep, that's how it happened," because there's right. so much stuff in it which is magical and extraordinary. Right. It, it demands a, a degree of, well, wait, what? You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's what happened to the angels, you know, talking to the shepherds. The shepherds are going, what? What are you talking about? Like they were surprised. So, of course, we're going to be even more surprised because our lifestyle and our times are so different from theirs. So serving it up is, you know, complete, unquestionable fact. Just that's the thing which is beyond belief now. Right. Right. So we need to have a little bit of distance so that we can sort of be drawn into the magic of the story, drawn into its wonder and what seems like it's more unlikely aspects so we can see the inspiration of it, right? The way it can inspire us. Oh, yeah, love in extraordinary circumstances. That's fantastic. But you need help to do that. So I think that's probably why this story, more than most other stories in the Bible, has attracted pageantry, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like... You, you sprinkle theatrical, magical dust on this story, and it really starts to come alive in a way that we don't do with parables and other other sort of events from the Bible. This one yeah, just sort the, of demands it, you know. The Easter, the Easter story gets very depressing, even though he does come back. <laughs> it's, it's you know I wouldn't want to see that every year, like Passion of the Christ alive. You'd just be like, okay, I'm good, I get it. Yeah, and a hard story to have the kids do, right? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, that is something. Well, I mean, that yeah, that's the thing. You're not you're not getting into a territory that can be controversial and can be depressing. Uh, this is about hope, and I and even whatever the image is, the image of the story is you're bringing hope into the world. And I mean, to get semi deep here, there's there's hope within us, especially right now, right? I mean, even today, I, I was out, you know, seeing a couple of people, and the 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 classic question is, "How are you doing?" And everyone goes, "Good, considering," you know, like. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we we all have that within us, this this hope. But we're also waiting for that hope to come and save us too. So. Yeah, exactly, and it comes at the darkest time of the year, and you know, this year I think. 
you know, there were lots of virtual Christmas pageants done all over the city and all over the country and probably all over the world. And I bet everybody just appreciated the fact that people went to the effort of making the, that hope happen again, even under these strange, weird, you know, scary circumstances. You know? For sure. For sure. I mean, and just seeing the number of people that were on uh, that Zoom when you were doing your, uh, you know, your Sunday service the people you know they want to they still want to be involved and it and uh, especially with a congregation being uh older and probably not the first people you think of when it comes to technology but they've they've had to learn to adapt to this because they still want to be involved in in the church yeah yeah and and certainly uh all the stuff that we do online meditation classes and prayer services and hymn sings and you know just uh, getting together to talk and various small groups and stuff all of that has given people a way to connect that they wouldn't have had otherwise because let's face it very few of our workplaces are organizing you know social events to keep the employees happy during the during the pandemic right whereas for sure churches can do that we can knit our community together even electronically in a way that you know is obviously going to survive in the future but i got to tell you one thing about the end of the pandemic i as much as i expect us to still be doing prayer services and certainly streaming our our worship service i want our next pageant to happen live in the church i yeah i think that would be great um and it will be hard <laughs> to not want to uh talk about covid even even if we are gathered together it'll be that will still be the elephant in the room um yeah hopefully with all of us with our vaccines in our arms um you know maskless kind of looking at each other going remember last year when uh we had to do this virtually that's what i remind myself i'm the early on when saturday night live did its first kind of virtual um you know tv performance i remember thinking five years from now i'm going to see this on a repeat somewhere and go oh yeah this was this was crazy. This will be a memory someday. And that's what I just keep telling myself. These will all be memories and hopefully will be somewhere different and better. So you can do a pageant for us next year too? I, I kind of want to try going back to just a pure Latin pageant. <laughs> On a cart. <laughs> On a cart, yeah. Just I mean, if it has to be outdoors, just for safety. But wouldn't that be amazing? Um, just, just like, I, we, there was no budget for this. It's like, well, we'll figure it out. Get some carts. Get the plumbers in. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Okay, won't we leave it there? We've got you on the hook for next year's pageant. That's Excellent. right. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks, Stephen. Hey, well, thank you, Paul. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Have a good one, even if there's too. not too many presents under the tree. listening to today's podcast about Christmas pageants. Reverend Stephen Milton is the minister at Lawrence Park Community Church in Toronto, Canada. We're a progressive Christian congregation with a love of great music, smart sermons, and a passion for justice. If that sounds like your thing, please check us out at lawrenceparkchurch.ca. You can also watch our services live on our YouTube channel. Thank you for listening today. My name is Judy Pressman, and I am the program manager here, and I want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. <laughs>